Even when all our worldly hope fades, the love of the Lord will remain. In every moment, Jesus sustains me. I live my life only by His grace. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this time of worship. Lord, we look to you, God, at this time. We thank you for another day that we have, the breath that we have, the gift that we have of living this life, not living for ourselves, but living for you. Thank you for reminding us and giving us our purpose, that God, our purpose is no longer found in this world. It's not found in the worldly things, in the earthly things, in the worldly pleasures. But God is found in serving you and serving you alone and serving our brothers and sisters and serving the least of these. Father, showing the love of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you, Father, for giving us our purpose to live for your kingdom and for your glory. God, I pray, God, as you transition now, as you transition to your message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart God, will be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. They may be pleased with our worship to you. God, it's not about the technicality. It's not about the performance. It's not about how elegant, how beautiful we sound. But Lord God, if our hearts are far away from you, then God, our worship is dead. Father, if your presence is not here with us, then our worship is dead. Father, everything we do is in vain if you're not here with us. So God, we ask God right now, won't you open up our hearts and our ears to receive your word and your spirit. Speak to us, O oh God. Convict us, O oh God. Bring the dead hearts back to life, O oh God. Give us a regenerated heart, O oh God, to know you and to hear from you and to be known by you, O oh Lord. Teach us your ways that may walk in your truth. We love you, God. We need you. Your love and your grace is all that we need. It's what we desire, O oh God. Speak to us. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen. moment to greet our neighbors. Uh, next week will be, this Wednesday actually, will be the beginning of our Lent. Thank you, Andy. And we're going to put a pause on the Philippians series. But today, part five, we're in chapter two, verse 19 to verse 30. Chapter two, verse 19 to 30. Philippians chapter two, verse 19 to 30. And the title says, Timothy and Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus. And the title is called, Live a Life of Honor, right? Live a Life of Honor. Live as men and women of honor. Let's begin. Let's go with the scriptures. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 19. It says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent, to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. 
Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 28, therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety, so then walk on him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Amen. Point number one is this. Are you worthy to be sent? Are you worthy to be sent? Turn to your neighbor and say the word sent. Now, the word sent is mentioned five times here in verse 19 to 30. And the question, are you worthy? Are you a worthy individual to be sent? The word sent is mentioned over and over again we see in the scripture. Again, it's a reminder, be men and women who are worthy to be sent. Let's talk about Timothy real quick. There are two main characters here. Well, three. Paul is the writer. But Timothy, it says this. Timothy, Paul brought Timothy, he brought him up to be his apprentice, someone to take over the work that he was called to do. Meaning Paul loved Timothy as a, as a spiritual father would love his spiritual son. So he was Timothy's spiritual father and he was his mentor. Paul, he gives Timothy here the highest accommodation and approval. Paul says, he is like my son. It says in, in other scriptures as reference, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He says in other passages that he says, Timothy, my true son in the faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I just spoke chapter 1, verse 2, but chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, You then, my son, he's talking to Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we see right away that Paul and Timothy has such a bond, closeness. They weren't blood, but he was a spiritual father and Timothy was a spiritual son. He could trust Timothy with his life. In the church, can we truly call people around us, our brothers and sisters, who can truly be there for you, that they're closer than your blood relative? And we talked about this, that as Christians, we're adopted in the kingdom of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we see right here the closeness of Paul and Timothy. Letter A, this is Timothy. He showed genuine concern for others' welfare meaning their well-being. Everyone else looks out for themselves, but you, men and women of God, Paul here is, is reminding us, do his letter to Timothy, as he's writing about Timothy, saying you should not look out just for yourself, but if you are a man and woman of God, you must look out for our others, for others' welfare. For, you have to have concern, genuine concern for others' welfare. If you don't, then we are not living and upholding the title of being a man and woman of God. Look at verse 20 to 21. It says, I have no one else like him who showed genuine concern for your welfare. He's talking to the Philippian church, to the people of Philippi. He's saying, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. There is no one else like Timothy. For everyone, verse 21, for everyone looks out for their own interests 
not those of Jesus Christ. Everyone else is devoted. Everyone else is devoted to their own lives. In this context, Paul could not depend on anyone else. Everyone else is devoted to their own lives and their pursuit of happiness of their own lives more than living for Jesus Christ. But he's giving Timothy the greatest commendation, right, that he showed genuine concern for others' welfare. Even Paul, as he's writing, he should be focused on who? Right? If you're going through hardship, and someone is going through hardship, and that person shows more concern for your hardship than their own hardship, I mean, is that a selfless person? Yes. Where is Paul as he's writing this letter? He is in prison. He's in house arrest. He's in prison. He should be concerned about himself. He should be saying, rescue me. Look out for me. Help me. But Paul, even in his letter, he's not focused on himself. He's focused on Timothy. He's focused on the church. And we see the heart of Paul and just the consistency of what it means to be men and women of God. You have to show genuine concern for others. I mean, it's, it's sad when we see in the church that when we don't look out for each other, when we truly don't have genuine concern for their well-being, we need to love one another. When someone is going through hardship, we understand and we go and we are there for them as they are there for us. And we see here that Timothy, he showed genuine concern for the Philippian church, for others' welfare. And we see the consistency of the heart, the hearts of men and women of God. And the examples of disloyalty and loyalty we see in 2 Timothy in first, chapter 1, verse 15. Paul tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Figulus and Hermogenes. But he's saying everyone has deserted me. By saying, Timothy, you have been faithful. You are faithful with me. Let it be. He has proven himself. He has proven himself. Let it be. Proven himself. Verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So we see here that Timothy is someone who has been proven. He has been tested. He, has, he is a man of credibility. He's not a man of inconsistency. He is a man of consistency. He has proved himself over and over again. That's why Paul says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. And he's saying, I know because I'm his father. As a son with his father, he has served with me, not for me. He's not using Timothy as a slave. He's saying he served with me in the work of the gospel. You know, a lot of times, you know, we look good when the building isn't shaken, when there are no earthquakes. We come to church, we hey, put on this face, and we look like a perfect Christian. But it's, it's not until we go on missions, and when we are hungry or we go through things, and there's a little bit of friction here and there, and things don't go our way, when our true adversity doesn't just build our character, but it reveals our character. And we are shown, we see ourselves for who we really are. Everyone looks good before they're shaken. But after the earthquake, after the effect, after, after it happens, you see how strong the foundation of that building was. And we see that Timothy was an individual 
who has been proven. He has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. You know, respect and credibility is something that is proven with consistency and genuineness and integrity and faithfulness. I'm going to say it again. Respect and credibility is something that is proven with consistency and genuineness and integrity and faithfulness. And at the same time, trust is something that we give, we grant unto others. Trust is not something that is earned, but it's something that we give despite what's happened in our past. No matter how many times we've been hurt, trust is something that we give, we offer unto others. Even when it gets broken, we learn to give trust again to others, not foolishly, but wisely, because Christ has given us redemption. And that's something that we need to make sure that we continue to do as Christians. No matter how many times, Andy, you've been hurt, or Josh, you've been hurt, we cannot withhold trust to someone new. Why? Because that trust was broken with that person, but as a Christian, we are called to trust, we are called to love. I know that people can trust me. I know that they could depend on me, but I had a hard time trusting and giving my trust to people. But as Christians, we need to learn to trust again that's why when stuff happens, you see me. I don't withhold that. I, I, I learn, and, and I, I will never do that again. I'm not going to put my mistrust and then put it onto someone else. Again, respect and credibility is something that is proven with consistency, genuineness, and integrity and faithfulness. And trust is something that we give freely to others until it is broken. But again, you do it again, and again, you do it wisely, not foolishly. Meaning through Jesus Christ, we learn to trust again. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. After we go through bad things, through Christ, we open ourselves again to offer trust again. But we see here with Timothy, there was never a sign of a broken trust. It wasn't like, oh, Timothy did this, he did wrong, and I forgave him. And it's a, he has proved himself over and over again. He was a man of consistency. That's why in verse 22 he says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And we see that Timothy was an individual who showed genuine care, concern for others' welfare, and he has proven himself. Now, let's look at our second character, Epaphroditus. Let's look at this man. He is known as a messenger. His name is only mentioned once here in this book, Philippians chapter 2. And we see that he is also known as a messenger. He is known as a fellow brother. He is known as a co-laborer. He is known as a fellow soldier. That's what Paul calls him who would deliver money, provisions, and letters from the Philippian church to Paul as he's in prison, back and forth. Possibly an elder in the church. But what we do know about Epaphroditus is that he was a faithful man. That even in the brink of death, he was faithful and he had proven himself. Let's take a look and dissect this character. Letter A. He was known as a messenger, brother, co-laborer, and soldier. Let's look at verse 25. It says, But I think it is necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, 
co-worker and fellow soldier who also is who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs we see in letter b he longed for his spiritual family meaning he loved his church he loved he longed to see his church he longed for his spiritual family he loved his church some of you had were blessed and fortunate enough to meet Brother Randy, we went to Philippines uh, last year, and he wasn't with us for the first half. He was helping another team, and I remember, I don't know if you guys were there, I was talking with him, and I asked, you know, jokingly, I said, you know, Brother Randy, if another church, you know, asked you to go to their church, and if an on- another opportunity would come up, like, would you go? Like, would you go? Like, I, I was joking with him. Even if they gave you, like, a lot of money, and he was like, never, never, never. He says, never, life reaches my home, is my family, is my people. And I was like, I don't even money. He's like, never. <laughs> He's like laughing, you know, with this new set of teeth and everything. And, and I was like, yeah, that's right. And I five of them, like, my brother, and you know, that's why in verse 26 it says, He, for he longs for all of you. He was longing to see the people. He longed for the people. He loved this church and is distressed. Because you heard he was ill. And we see that he longed for his spiritual family. Let us see. He was faithful even in the brink of death. He was faithful even in the brink of death. Doing the work of Christ. Remember, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We went over that in Philippians 1, verse 21. That even when this man, who is really a nobody in the kingdom, his name is mentioned one time in the Bible. Epaphroditus, we see that he, even in the brink of death, he was faithful. His life was a living testimony of faithfulness, even in the face, in the brink of death, that he was faithful. In verse 27 and verse 30, let's, let's read verse 27 first. It says, indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him, but also on me. To spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Like we see how close the relationship between Epaphroditus and Paul was. If something were to happen to him, it would be sorrow upon sorrow. It's like your best friend, your close brother. He calls him, what was the title? He calls him a brother, co-laborer, a soldier. And we see that the closeness, the love that they have for one another. You know, I'm bringing Philippines a lot, and on the last day, when they were giving us our gifts, and you know, they did a birthday for Samunim and, and things, and the last Sunday, and I even said it myself, and I said it over and over again that you know, Pastor Donnie, where are you? Where, where is he? And he's an old man, and you know, honestly, I feel like he's my grandfather. You know, and if something happens, I said I'll be right there. I'll be on the plane. I will come, and I will come and see you. And we see that even in the brink of death that he was faithful, sorrow upon sorrow. If something were to happen to one of our faithful members of men and brothers, men and women of God who serve side by side in the kingdom, in the, in the work of God, and we see the sorrow, the heart of Paul, that indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow, because if something did happen to him, I would be crushed. And I will be broken. 
And because he had almost died, verse 30, for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. That we see here the character of him, that he was faithful even in the brink of death. Letter D. There's the last one about him. Letter D. Brought down Paul's anxiety and turned to the neighbor and say, do you lift my anxiety or do you bring down my anxiety? Go ahead. Verse 28, therefore I am all the more eager to send him, send who? Epaphroditus, send him so that when you see him again, that you may be glad and, that, and I have less anxiety. I think it's so funny that Paul even writes that, that I have less anxiety. We see here that he was a faithful man. He had no worry when Epaphroditus was present with the Philippian church. I mean, amazing. This guy was so faithful. Amazing man. Paul had no worries. Paul's worries went down when Epaphroditus was in the church. Are you an individual that brings more concern and worry and anxiety? Or are you an individual that is consistent, that has strong foundation, and you are faithful? And I want to ask you something. Are you faithful or are you a faithful individual? Are you dependable? Do you have credibility? Can people depend on you wholeheartedly as Paul did with Timothy and Epaphroditus? Or are you wishy-washy? Are you fickle? Like infants tossed back and forth by waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes in Ephesians 4.14. Infants like children, when you hear this gossip, you believe it to be true. When someone says this, we don't have discernment to know that that's wrong. Back and forth, tossed back and forth. Infants, Ephesians chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as adults, as people who live by spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants, babies in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. And we see that Timothy and Epaphroditus were individuals. They were mature Christians, mature men of God. The question is, are you a mature woman and man of God? Or are we like infants? We are, we are moved by my emotion, how I feel today. Oh, I don't feel like I want to go to church. I don't want to go to, I don't want to worship. Are you moved by the glory of God, not self, not the emotional self, not what I want for myself? Number two, are you proven to be faithful? Are you proven to be faithful? I want us to examine our lives at this moment, right now, at this time, and I want you to be honest with yourself about this. Be honest, let us be honest with ourselves. And the question is, are you living in crookedness or are you living in the truth? Ask yourself, am I living in crookedness, darkness, shadiness, or am I living in the truth of God? And we see here in Timothy and Epaph Epaphroditus, again, going back to the scripture, that I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. 
that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send them so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Are you proven to be faithful like these individuals? Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus. It's not just men. Later we're going to talk about the women and it's men and women before God. Are you proven to be faithful? Last point, number three. Church, honor the faithful men and women of God. Honor the faithful men and women of God. And we don't do this often, and we should. We need to commend each other. We need to lift each other up. And we need to be there for each other. We need to honor these kind of men and women. Because they are lost in the world. The world will never commend them. The world will actually curse them. They will say things like, what are they doing, wasting their life, going to church? What's the point? Why are they doing that? Why are they going to church? Why are they living the way that they are? In the church, we need to honor the faithful men and women of God. Verse 29 to 30, it says this, So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. It says in verse 29. Verse 30, because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. Remember, the words of Paul, it's not just Paul living that life. It's not just his own words that he's telling others to do and he's not following up himself. But literally, Epaphroditus was a man, Timothy was a man, was a person, an individual that has proven themselves that they're living for the gospel, that they're true Christians, that they're true men of God. Faithful men and women of God must be honored. We must honor the faithful men and women of God. And in this case, we see Timothy and Epaphroditus. These are two men that Paul is saying, honor these individuals. So the question, going back to all the letters, and we're not, we don't have to go back on the screen, but I'm just going to go over. I'm just going to do an overview. Are you men and women with genuine love and concern for others, not self? Are you proven? Jonathan, are you proven? Brother Enrico, are you proven? Angela, are you proven? Next, are you upholding your honor as a messenger, brother, and co-laborer, and soldier? Again, 
what Epaphroditus does. He's a fellow soldier in Christ. I mean, that's a pretty cool title, right? Like, what would you like to be called? Ronnie the messenger or Ronnie the soldier? Which one, Ronnie? Why? <laughs> Messenger's pretty cool. You don't want to be the messenger? Wow. Too big, huh? Too cool. Okay. But he says, he is my brother, co-laborer, and soldier. Are you holding your honor in these titles as a sister, as a mother, to your fellow brothers and sisters in the church? Do you long for your spiritual family? You know, when you're away for a while, or I know for sure when we were on missions, I missed you guys, those who were left behind. I miss my church. I miss my family. Do you long for your spiritual family as Epaphroditus did? Do you long for that? He longed for his spiritual family. Next, are you faithful even in the brink of death? So many of us, we choose ourselves and to save myself and we're not even willing to have someone be upset with me because you're afraid to speak the truth. That in the brink of death, that even if we're afraid of hurting someone's feeling, how can we? Have you been proven? Even in the brink of death, are you faithful even in the brink of death? For he was faithful even in the brink of death. Are you men and women who bring anxiety and stress and division to your church? We see churches that are broken, so many divisions left and right. Are you an individual that adds to the problem, that brings problem to the church, or are you a problem solver? Are we there to encourage, or an individual that edifies, builds, loves, and encourages your church, the body of Jesus Christ? Again, that's hard to apply because, you know, when the leadership is off and there's so much tricks to it, layers of different things, but imagine if we all did that. If all of us upheld, if we were living a life that upheld the word of God, upholding the word of God. What about to your leaders? What about to your leaders? Sadly, I know there are a lot of church leaders with bad intentions. But the question is, do you bring them harm or do you bring them good? Love and blessing and encouragement. Are we too critical? Again, I understand that there are a lot of bad church leaders with bad intentions. I understand that. But look at the way Christ, he handled his enemies, people who were against him. The greatest weapon we fight with is love. Love. Epaphroditus, he brought down, it says, Paul's anxiety. And we see the connection the connection of love and the mutual respect that they have for each other. I pray that we will be like this. You know, people always talk about David and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, David and Jonathan. I'm not talking about Jonathan and David, An and Kim. I'm talking about in the Bible, their friendship, friendship. And yes, that's beautiful because at the end of the day, Jonathan knew what his father Saul was doing was wrong. Instead of choosing his family, he sighed and he helped his friend his fellow brother. But we see another relationship here of friendships. 
we see the closeness of Timothy, Paul, Epaphroditus, Paul, all coming together. The bond that they had. And it's not a bond of friendship that's found in the world, but it's a friendship that's found in Christ. Doing the work side by side, doing it together for the advancement of the gospel. I'm ending with this. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture one more time, and we're closing, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come up when we finish. But, you know, this message is very uh, practical, straightforward, uh, very different from last week. But I hope that it's not just something that, oh, we know. Oh, Timothy, Epaphroditus, okay, Paul, oh, okay, good. And it passes by our minds. I pray that we will put this and we would apply it to our life this week. That in our relationships, that when we do deep groups, that when we share our lives and when we call or text or when we do anything with each other, that remember the purpose behind of why we are doing what we're doing. There are no intentions. There's nothing so that you can get something in return. There's no hidden motive behind it. But you're reaching out just because you love them and you care for them and that is it. And I pray that we will put this in practice as next week, we're now entering the season of Lent before Easter. I pray that we would truly, really rebuild some of the hurts that we've given to one another, the mistrust that we may have that may have flourished over time. I pray that we would truly be individuals where we can have true confidence in each other just like in the letter of Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30, as Paul was confident in Timothy and Epaphroditus, I pray that we would be confident in, in each other and that we'll be men and women who are reliable and who are consistent. Amen? So let's go ahead and read the scripture one more time. Let's all read it with a new attitude, with a new mind, and with conviction. And it says this, the title, Timothy and Epaphroditus. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Why this line is more beautiful, again, is that Paul, he was never married. He never had children. And we see the closeness, the love that he had as a father to a son with Timothy. As a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, verse 23, I hope therefore to send them as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. In verse 24, it's a reminder. You know, Paul, he doesn't know whether he's going to die in the prison, whether this is his end or, he doesn't know. But even when it feels like it's the last day of your life, even when a person will put you in a hospice, you know, years later and, we're about to take our final moment of breath and death. Always hope. Hope that this is not the end. But even in life, to live as Christ and to die as gain, have that attitude. You know, when you fail an exam, that is not your end. When your relationship ends, it, that's not the end. I am confident. Be confident in the Lord. Verse 24, I am confident in the Lord 
that I myself will come soon. Verse 25, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send them, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. I mean, this is a very beautiful and neglected passage, you know, verse 19 through 30. I hope that we are challenged and that as we get ready to go to Lent, uh, that we will truly uh, not just look out for yourself, myself, but we will truly love to be self-sacrificing and loving to our fellow brothers and sisters, even though in the way we serve, even the way we talk and in everything, I pray, in the way that we give rise or whatever we do, let us do it with a self-sacrificial love as Christ gave himself for us. Amen? Amen. Praise team, if you could come up. This isn't a message to stir up your hearts, the emotion, or to bring about tears where we think that that is what has touched us. For God is not a God of emotion, but He is the God of truth and conviction. And as God has spoken to us in His Word in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30, as it was a short message, and as we're encouraged by these characters that were mentioned, Timothy, Epaphroditus, and Paul, I pray that we will live our lives not imitating people, celebrities, the people in this world who are living for fame, things for themselves. And again, that's their life and that's the decision that they have made. That we will not get lost in TV shows and celebrities and actors and actresses and athletes, putting them in a pedestal to become our idols someone that we want to pursue and follow after. But I pray that you would be inspired by these individuals who gave themselves for others, who lived truly for the gospel, for the truth of Jesus Christ. A life, a life that is lived selflessly, with self-sacrifice, is a life that is called, that will be honored in the kingdom of God. Not a life that lives for themselves. Not a life that is full of jealousy and with a critical spirit, with gossip, for that brings division in the church. But we are called to uphold the truth of God in the way we live, in our conduct, in the words that we speak, in the actions, the, the decisions that we make every single day. For we are a regenerated and we are a new individual, a new citizen in the kingdom of heaven. So let us reflect upon the message today with the question, 
Who are you in the kingdom of God? Who are you? Are you living for yourself? Or have you been living for yourself? Or have you surrendered and submitted fully to the will of God? Are you counting the cost? That the cost is everything. It's all or nothing. There is no middle ground. Going to church is not enough. But it's about having a relationship, an intimate relationship with the Father. Where are we in our walk with God at this moment? Where are we? Where are we? Ask yourself the question, where am I? Am I living for his kingdom and for his purpose? Or am I living for myself? Am I an individual that has been proven? Am I upholding the honor with the title as a messenger, as a brother, as a sister, as a co-laborer, as a soldier in the kingdom of God? Or have I deserted? Or am I a deserter? Who are we today? Who are we today? Are you a faithful individual? Are you dependable? Do you have credibility? And if you don't, why do you not have credibility? Can people depend on you wholeheartedly? Or are you wishy-washy, fickle, mere infant, tossed back and forth by the waves of deceitful teachings? Infants, where you still need milk, for you cannot take solid food, for we are not mature enough. This is a message of reflection of your life right now before God. This is not an emotional thing, for emotions come and go. Do not trust your emotions. It's a choice that you need to make. You either make that will, you decide, it's a, it's a discipline of the mind, and you decide, you say, yes, God, or no, God, not in the middle. It's just like forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about emotion or how you feel, but it's a choice that you make. Following Christ is the same thing. It's not an emotional thing that you make at retreats where you cry and you show people that you're crying, for there's nothing wrong with crying. But again, it's not an emotional decision. For when you make an emotional decision, that's when you make the wrong decision. For tomorrow, you will go back to the same way that you came. Reflect upon your life right now, for this is a message of reflection. Who are you today in the kingdom of God? Who are you today? I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm not talking about last year, or who you were, or what you did, or how many mission trips you've gone. I'm talking about today, right now, right now as we speak, on this very day. For today is a day of salvation, today. Reflect upon your life right now. Are you a faithful individual now? Are you dependable now? Do you have credibility now? Can people depend on you wholeheartedly now?
or are we wishy-washy, emotional, fickle? I pray that our church will be mature and complete in Christ for the rest of our lives. That you will never be content, that you will never think that you have made it. For that's when pride creeps in. I pray that you remain humble, knowing that it's for Christ and today it's for Him. And because of the gift that He has given me today, the breath He has given me, I will live for Him. And if you have fallen right now, you feel you're sitting in your seat and you feel you've fallen so hard, you don't know where you've gone. You don't know where your faith has gone and you feel so lost and beyond hopeless. Just as Paul says, sorrow upon sorrow, you have hopelessness upon hopelessness. Know that that is a lie from the enemy. That in Christ, that Jesus Christ will set you free today. That there is hope in him. That there is always hope and redemption in Jesus Christ if you cry out to him. He will never leave you dry and empty if you cry out to him. If you feel hopeless, if you feel tired today, cry out to him for he hears you. For the Holy Spirit is here with us and he's convicting you in your heart right now to turn back to him like the prodigal son, like the prodigal daughter, the wasteful daughter, the wasteful son who had wasted the father's resources, who left and ran away and willingly made that choice, that conscious decision to run away from the father. He thought in his head, if only I could return back as a slave, then my father will receive me back. But when the son runs back, when even the son goes home, the father just doesn't stand there. He says in the parable that Jesus runs after the father and he gives him a ring and he gives him a robe. He puts on a party for him. He's the fan cow. So he kills it so that they can have a party for my, my son who was once dead but is now back alive again. Turn back to him for today is a day of salvation. Make that choice right now. Do not miss this moment. Do not let this moment pass by, but turn to Him. Turn to Him. Reflect upon your life right now. Where are you in your walk, in your journey with God? Right now. Be reflective. Be reflective. Who am I? Whose am I? Why am I living? Why am I alive? What is my purpose? Why am I here? Reflect. Reflect and pray. Pray to Him. You could whisper. You could shout. Do what you must. Reflect upon your life. Why do I do what I do? Look to Him. Look to Him. Look to Him. Let's pray. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. This is between you and God. Reflect. Pray. Seek Him. Speak to Him. Listen to Him.
listen to his voice hear his voice hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to you talking in your heart turn to him look to him look to him look to him look to him let's pray let's pray seek him seek him it's not about the noise it's about genuineness between you and God it's about the broken spirit seeking his face
true worshiper soon. But before we sing, I just want to remind you. I want to remind you that only when we worship God in spirit and in truth can we truly live and love and serve others. It always begins and ends with worship. We need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Meaning you need to have a relationship with God first. Then we can truly learn to love others as Christ loved me. That's why you hear things like, when you look for a spouse, when you look for a friendship, look for someone who loves Jesus Christ as their number one. Because out of the overflow of the relationship with Jesus Christ, they will love you. They will learn the example of Christ, the self-sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And then in the overflow, we learn to love and serve others. God is seeking a true worshiper. A true worshiper is someone who knows God and who is known by God. For God is looking for true worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I want to ask you, will you stand here with me? Father, thank you for reminding us today of the truth and for inspiring us through Timothy and Epaphroditus and through Paul's heart in his letter. Uh, remind us today, once again, that it's not just about hearing the word, but Lord, it's about doing the word of God. It's about being the individual that you have called us to be. God, let us remember today that we do not live just for ourselves, but Lord, we live for your kingdom and the two greatest commandments that you have gave us was to love the Lord your God, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second greatest command, it comes down to this, to love your neighbor as yourself. So God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that we will learn to sum up all the Ten Commandments into these two beautiful commandments that you have given us, O oh God. To love you and to love your people and to be the light that shines in this generation in this crooked and depraved generation, that we will shine like stars in the universe for your kingdom, O oh God. Use us today. For God, our worth is not found in the money that we have in our bank accounts. That my worth is not found in the broken family that I come from or the broken relationships that I have. My worth is not found in how many people I know or how popular I am or the good reputation that I have in this earth. For God, that is all in vain. For it's all nothing. It will not come with us for eternity. But Lord, my worth is found in one thing alone, that I am your child. That I know you, God. And God, that you know me. And God, that you are searching for true worshipers. God, here I am. Here I am, O oh God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, let this church be found faithful in your kingdom and the work that you have called us to do, O oh God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this, this time of hearing and listening to your word. Let it just not end there, God, but let us be doers and beers of your word. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. God's people pray. Amen. Amen.